Racism is a political weapon today, but it's also been a serious problem for all of human history. Walmart is teaching its employees that whiteness is the problem with America. Time to discuss the real roots of modern racism. And yes, it was white men who propagated it. It's just going to shock you which white men it was. Plus, a powerful education lobby wants the White House to label you parents domestic terrorists. In other words, you parents who love your kids, yeah, you're the problem. What's going on? We'll get to the root of all of it. This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. The Deep End. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. Welcome to Tuesday night. Welcome, 7.30 on YouTube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. It is Deep End Season 5, Episode 7, and I am your humble host, Tim Hatch, and I am so glad that you have joined me on this channel. If you would, do me a favor and like the video, even if you haven't liked it yet, just like it, and make sure that you subscribe to the channel and also hit that notification bell so that you can get notified on your smartphone whenever we go live. That is always very important, right? We want to know when we're live. We're live every Tuesday night talking about what's going on in the world. And every Monday morning and Tuesday morning, I wake up and I say, like I said last week, there must not be crazy, but there's a lot of crazy. And the crazy this week comes from Walmart. And that takes me to deep end news. Deep end news. News and views that don't make us news. Oh, Walmart, you are shooting yourselves in the foot because Walmart has decided to train its employees that whiteness is the problem in our country. This is from the Independent Sentinel. Uh, the title of the article, Walmart, America, a, quote, white supremacy system. Whites are supremacists. So, you know, one of the first rules of racism is to make sure that you lump a people group, regardless of their hearts or intentionality, all into the same sick problem. <laughs> and in this case, according to Walmart, if you're white, you are a supremacist, no matter if you believe that or not. You are a white supremacist. So a whistleblower from inside Walmart has leaked documents detailing their new employee training program, which is baptized extensively in critical race theory, something we have talked about in previous episodes on the deep end. The program denounces America as a white supremacy system. Whites are supremacists. And this is from Christopher Rufo uh, at cityjournal.org. Uh, and the title of his article is Walmart versus Whiteness. Uh, basically, he says, following the principle that diagnoses determines treatment, the Walmart program seeks to create a psychological profile of whiteness that can then be treated through white anti-racist development. Whites, according to the trainers, are inherently guilty of white privilege and internal race, internalized racial superiority. The belief that one's comfort, wealth, privilege, and success has been earned by merits of hard work rather than through the benefits of systemic racism. Oh, more and more and more of this nonsense. The training recommends that discussions about racist conditioning should be conducted in racially segregated groups. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. In other words, they put the white people in one room, they put the black people in another room and they divide and conquer. They divide and conquer. That, that that's what's happening in Walmart's new employee training program. Uh, the program encourages back to the article from Christopher Rufo, whites to accept their guilt and shame. Adopt the idea that white is not right acknowledge their complicity in racism, and finally move toward collective action whereby white can do right. <laughs> this is like, did a kid write this? Did Dr. Seuss write this? <laughs> white is not right, but if you learn how to fight, then white can do right. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Russo, Rufo goes on and on in this article. You should read it for yourself. It's unbelievable. This is what they're teaching their employees now at Walmart. 
I've been to Walmart. A lot of a lot of white people shop at Walmart. So good good for you, Walmart. Way to go. Way to shoot yourselves in the foot. But Rufo concludes very, rather poignantly about the politics and social clout that this earns um, a CEO making millions of dollars uh, at Walmart. His name is Doug McMillan. Uh, quote from Christopher Wolfo, the formula is clear. American executives, among the most successful people on the planet, can collect accolades and social status by promoting fashionable left-wing ideologies. Meantime, their hourly workers, a lot of them white, making between 25000 and 30000 yearly, are asked to undergo dishonest, humiliating rituals to confront their, quote, white privilege and white supremacy thinking. McMillan gets the social justice credit. His workers pay the price. Well said, but this is something that we have talked about many times on the deep end the devil is the master of division he exists to divide he divided heaven he took a third of the angels and rebelled against god most high in the presence of god most high and was cast like lightning jesus says from heaven down to earth and now we are on his ground we are on his playing field earth is his playground so to speak it was given to man man abandoned his responsibility and his opportunity and uh consequently followed the devil into rebellion against god and now we all pay the price we all are and have been since humanity has been on this earth since cain and abel down to the palestinians and the jews and the blacks and the whites and the rich and the poor and the young and the old, and the male and females, divided. This is the devil having his way with society full scale. And we need to talk about, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about uh, the real roots of modern racism, the real roots of modern racism. Because depending on who you talk to, racism is one of two things. Number one, and rightly so, it is a part of all human history in every people group, on every country and continent okay by all stripes and colors of persons racism produced slavery and injustice not just in america but everywhere racism is still active in almost every country on earth though far less in this country although you're not taught to believe that racism was the cause of slavery and jim crow segregation in america and still does play a part of american life in many nuanced ways today that's the first way that you can see racism. I believe that's the historically accurate way of seeing racism. But there's a second way of seeing racism today. That is that racism is America's original sin, strategically written into the founding documents of our country and perpetrated by the capitalistic system of America so that only white people can benefit. Therefore, a dismantling of the entire system is required to reimagine America into the John Lennon godless, heavenless, lawless utopia that only people with far too much money have time to learn or, th or think about. No one denies racism is real, guys. It's real. To deny it would be to deny reality. But, there could, but there's no doubt the word racist has evolved into a political weapon, right? It's a political weapon. Particularly if you're running against a Republican for any legislative office at all. <laughs> the Democrats constantly call Republicans racist. They called Mitt Romney racist. Uh, years ago, it was Joe Biden, our now president, who said that Mitt Romney would put all the black people back in chains. Literally saying that on the campaign stump speech. <sighs> I mean, people were literally convinced that Donald Trump was a racist. <laughs> Donald Trump, who was adored and sung about and rapped about by hip-hop artists, black hip-hop artists, the world over, until he became a nominee for president. Then suddenly he was racist. Uh, th th this doesn't make sense. I have friends who voted for the other guy. I have friends who voted for Biden. I love them as friends, and we're good friends. And they tell me to my face, Donald Trump is not a racist. We just don't like his policies. That I can take. But we're... 
constantly seeing this tool of racism as a political weapon. It's also a weapon to reimagine America. That's really what it is. It's a weapon to reimagine America because it's been associated only with white people in this country. Now, there's such a thing as black people hating white people. That's a real thing. <laughs> there's such a thing as Asian people hating other people. There's such a thing as brown people hating different brown people. I have an elder in my church who came from Nigeria, and he talks about all the time that the country that he came from was racist to the core. Black people hating black people, just from different tribes. Racism is a universal problem, but it's been used as a tool to dismantle the American system. The American system, which has pr produced the most wealth and equality that the world has ever seen in any nation ever. But a small, yet very powerful, highly educated segment of our, of our society is working really hard to leverage the horrible moments of our past to redefine our present and completely reshape our future. So I thought maybe today it's time to go back to a familiar segment we've done before called Deep End Opedia as we discuss the real roots, okay, the real roots of modern racism. Deep End Opedia. <laughs> So let's talk about this today, the real roots of modern racism. Modern racism. I'm, I'm not talking about racism that existed as it always has throughout human history, including in this country. I'm talking about the 20th century racism that produced uh, Jim Crow, that produced segregation, redlining, and all those kind of things. Where did it come from? Where did this idea that white people are superior to black people or other people, where did that idea come from? And the answer is going to surprise you. The answer is going to shock you. Guess where it came from? It came from a guy named Charles Darwin. Yeah, Charles Darwin, who I have talked about on the deep end before. Charles Darwin is a darling of atheists and agnostics the world over because Charles Darwin produced the scientific thoughts and reasons necessary to eliminate God from the equation of our origins. And uh, I want to quote a paper today on the deep end. Again, jam-packed with information today. The paper is called The Dark Side of Darwinism. It's by Austin Anderson, and he writes about how racism and racist thoughts the racist thought of the 20th century, really the 19th century, was the byproduct of Darwin's theories. So he writes about this. Charles Darwin, who's a 19th century English nationalist, is known as one of the most brilliant minds in history. He was a curious intellectual and a brave adventurer, well-liked by those who knew him personally and greatly revered in the scientific community. His 1859 and 1871 books on the origin of species and the descent of man enlightened the world with a transformative understanding of life that became the foundation of modern biological thought. But there's a dark side to Darwin, a side that perhaps calls into question his prized intellect and cherished legacy. Darwin's writing was racist and discriminatory beliefs and practices followed directly from his theories. If you're a lover of uh, evolution or a biology major like I am, you may be tempted to reject that claim, but hear me out. Support for the idea that Darwin's theories are racist may come from where you least expect it. Charles Darwin, in his book, The Descent of Man, Darwin applies the theories of natural selection to humans and introduces the idea of sexual selection. And Austin writes about this. Darwin describes Australians, Mongolians, Africans, Indians, South Americans, Polynesians, and even Eskimos as savages in his own writings. Darwin consistently elevates white Europeans above savages. Darwin explains that the highest races and the lowest savages differ in, quote, moral disposition and in intellect. Darwin says the savages have low morality, insufficient powers of reasoning, 
and weak power of self-command. That's from page 97 of The Descent of Man, written by Charles Darwin. He also justifies violent imperialism, quote, from the remotest times, successful tribes have supplanted other tribes. This is him writing. At the present day, civilized nations are everywhere supplanting barbarous, barbarous, sorry, barbarous nations. He writes that the Western nations of Europe now so immeasurably surpass their former savage, savage progenitors and stand at the summit of civilization, end quote. That's just one source. I take you to another source. This is from a piece called Darwin, Race, and Gender, and I have all the sources documented here below on the screen for you if you're watching. So this paper was written by a guy named Stephen Rose, and he writes about how Darwin was convinced that evolution was progressive and that the white races, especially the Europeans, were revolutionary, more advanced than the black races, thus establishing race differences and a racial hierarchy. By the way, ladies, Darwin was also a rabid sexist. He stated that the result of sexualization is for men to be, quote, more courageous, pugnacious, and energetic than women, with a more inventive genius. The man's brain <laughs> is absolutely larger. The formation of her skull is, uh, is said to be intermediate between the child and the man. <laughs> and people say the Bible is sexist. Oh, so funny. He enthusiastically endorsed his, uh, his cousin Francis Galton's view of hereditary genius transmitted down the male line. And he also nodded cautiously toward eugenics. The next batch of material that I have about Charles Darwin comes from a book called From Darwin to Hitler. This book, you actually can hardly purchase this book. The picture on the screen is kind of like this cropped picture of the first page because it's out of print and you can only buy old copies of it. Richard Weikart writes, Darwinism by itself did not produce the Holocaust, but without Darwinism, neither Hitler nor his Nazi followers would have had the necessary scientific underpinnings to convince themselves and their collaborators that one of the world's greatest atrocities was really morally praiseworthy. In other words, you don't get the Holocaust without Darwin. He also writes, Darwinism undermined traditional morality and the value of human life. Evolutionary progress became the new moral imperative. This aided the advance of eugenics, which is overtly founded on Darwinian principles. Some eugenicists began advocating euthanasia and infanticide for the disabled. On a parallel track, some prominent Darwinists argued that human racial competition in war is part of the Darwinian struggle for existence. Hitler imbibed these social Darwinist ideas, blended in virulent anti-Semitism, and there you have it, Holocaust. So you, you've got to know some of the facts here. You've got to see how philosophies that are rooted in science in the 19th century became the realities of horror in the 20th century. You don't get Hitler. You don't get the Aryan superior race theory without the theory of the survival of the fittest or the natural selection theory, which, which believes that since creation since, not creation, the natural order, because <laughs> it can't be created by anybody, the natural order of the world shows us that the fittest animals survive. It naturally makes sense that the fittest races survive. And this theory finds itself in Germany in the 1900s because you have to fight to stay alive. Now, what people don't know about Charles Darwin is that he had an admirer, his cousin, Francis Galton. Francis Galton was the grandson of an abolitionist, believe it or not. He came from a Brit prominent British family, but as one writer says in the conversation.com article that I'm about to show you, 
His position of privilege likely influenced both his willingness to classify humankind into groups and his sense of what counted as good stock versus what sort of person belonged to an inferior race. Francis Galton is the originator of the philosophy of eugenics. That is, that it is the job of human beings to empower the superior races to succeed and to destroy or annihilate or eradicate the inferior races. Yeah, this is a picture of him on the screen, Francis Galton, cousin of Charles Darwin. Galton credited his reading credited reading his cousin Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species, 1859, about the theory of natural selection with initiating him into, quote, an entirely new province of knowledge. Galton coined the term eugenics from the Greek word for good stock. Some human beings are good stock and some human beings are not. He suggested that negative traits could be bred out of the human species by discouraging reproduction by those considered inferior laid the groundwork for forced sterilization laws in the U.S. and Nazi racial hygiene programs and the Holocaust. Now, Francis Galt died in the U.K. on January 17th, 1911, but his work shaped government policies on both sides of the Atlantic for decades. Both sides of the Atlantic. Eugenics policies encouraged the most valued people to procreate in large numbers while also aiming to prevent reproduction by those considered to be less fit. This is from The Conversation. The article there, again, the link is down below. We'll also put it in the show notes down in the, in the description. Uh, one of the disciples of Galton's theories, by the way, uh, you might know this person's name, is the founder of Planned Parenthood. Her name is Margaret Sanger. And Margaret Sanger took... Francis Galton's theories, which came from Charles Darwin's theories, and decided that some populations of America needed to be choked out, needed to be selectively breeded out of existence. Yeah, Margaret Sanger spoke at KKK rallies. People don't talk about that. She talked incessantly about the need to minimize the, quote, Negro population, end quote. This is from an article called The Strange World of Margaret Sanger's Birth Control Review. Now, Margaret Sanger wrote, an, uh, she actually published a journal with, with several editions, by the way, called The Birth Control Review. And a doctor by the name of Brian Kaus uh, read all 5,000 plus pages of Sanger's journals, and he was horrified about what he found written in that scientific journal. <laughs> Uh, he, he says, put this up on the screen, the doctors who wrote for the birth control review openly advocated what they call a, quote, medical utopia with birth control, end quote. J. Walter Carr, MD, wrote, the community would have to take suitable precautions in self-defense and might decree that all adolescents should be examined at puberty and steps taken to sterilize those who could not reasonably be expected to beget healthy children. This was written by a doctor in Margaret Sanger's <laughs> medical journal, called the birth control review. One of the most enthusiastic supporters of eugenics in the pages of the birth control review was Professor Dr. Ernest Rudin, Adolf Hitler's director of genetic sterilization and founder of the Nazi, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, Geschellenschaft for, I did try to, I did try to pronounce it, Razen Hygiene, Society for Racial Hygiene. Oh, there we go. Uh, in fact, Rubin's, Rudin's boss, Adolf Hitler, avidly read American eugenics journals and developed his ideas of an Aryan master race from their writers. In other words, you get Nazism from Margaret Sanger's journals. <sighs> Another doctor writing in the Birth Control Review wrote, Science now aims at nothing less than the establishment of a new religion without priest or dogma. 
the sole aim of which is the happiness and ennoblement of humanity on earth. That was written by Dr. Francis B. Summer in the Birth Control Review, a journal that was published for decades by the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger. This is called follow the science, friends. <laughs> Margaret Sanger was the queen of eugenics in America. She spoke again, like I said, at KKK rallies. And you know what? Let me just put some interesting quotes from Margaret Sanger here up on the screen. Quote, the most merciful thing a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. End quote. That's from a book she wrote called Women and the New Race, chapter five. Yeah, you can look it up. I'm putting the resources up on the screen so that you make sure that you fact check me. Another quote. We don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population, end quote. That's from a letter to Dr. Clarence J. Gamble, December 10th, 1939. And how about this one? This one sounds very modern today. Quote, a marriage license shall in itself give husband and wife only the right to a common household and not the right to parenthood. As Margaret Sanger writing in, quote, America needs a code for babies, Article 3, 27, March 1934. Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, trust the science. Trust the science. You don't get Margaret Sanger without Francis Galton. You don't get Francis Galton without Charles Darwin. And all of their theories are racist theories. Who were the white people who came up with racism? Now, your kids in schools are being taught that it was Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, men who fought for independence, men who fought about, uh, over, against taxation without representation, men who believed that the Stamp Act was a, uh, in a, a, a restriction of human rights. Mm. Look up the facts, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why you got to come to the deep end is so that you can find out what's really the root of our problems before the educational system of our country indoctrinates your children to hate themselves. Forced sterilization was a fact in the early part of the, of the 1900s in America. In America. I found this article. Title of the article from theconversation.com. Quote, forced sterilization policies in the U.S. targeted minorities and those with disabilities and lasted into the 21st century. This article writes that more than 60,000 people were sterilized in 32 states during the 20th century based on the bogus science of eugenics originated by Francis Galton in 1883. Indiana passed the world's first sterilization law in 1907. 31 states followed suit, including California and Texas, by the way. State-sanctioned sterilizations reached their peak in the 1930s and 40s, but continued and in some states rose during the 1950s and 60s. And those sterilizations targeted minorities. This is a direct quote from the article. The, the United States was an international leader in eugenics. Its sterilization laws actually informed Nazi Germany. How about that? The Third Reich's 1933 law, quote, the law for pre uh, the, preser the prevention of offspring with hereditary diseases was modeled on laws in Indiana and California. Under this law, the Nazis sterilized approximately 400,000 children and adults, mostly Jews and other, quote, undesirables, quote, un end quote, labeled, quote, defective, end quote. And again, the source is on the page there, so you can look it up for yourself. Things that they don't teach our kids in modern American history classes anymore. So yes, America has a racist past and has practiced the unconscionable sterilization of inferior types of persons based on gender and skin color. Yes, but the roots of all of this was not Christians. 
was not British colonialism, was not the Judeo-Christian ethic that formulated the Constitution, the, the Declaration of Independence, and, and the Bill of Rights. The roots of 20th century racism is based on the science of men like Charles Darwin and Francis Galton. By the way, Francis Galton was knighted by the British government. Never take seriously who the crown knights, by the way. They knighted a sick name man here named Francis Galton. Who cares who they think is important today? My point, ladies and gentlemen, is that the real roots of racism, the real roots of modern racism, is 19th century science. 19th century science produced 20th century death and division. The, the will of the devil has been accomplished in our current cultural moment through science. This is why I literally throw up in my mouth when I hear, trust the science. <laughs> Just can't take it anymore. Trust the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. Okay, well, should we trust? This? Should we trust the 19th century science? Should we trust eugenicists? Should we trust Francis Galton? Should we trust Charles Darwin? These things have ramifications. Okay, these things have ramifications. Uh, another article that I have to share because I just got plenty of material, guys. I hope you will bear with me. Uh, this is from jstore.org. Uh, this is a great resource, jstore.org. The title of the article is Scientific Racism and the Metaphysics of Race. Uh, author Rutledge M. Dennis. And he talks about scientific racism and how Darwinism has produced this justification to enact racial social policies he says this science has often been used as justification to process uh, pro, sorry to propose project and enact racial social policies the the philosophical and political underpinnings of ideas associated with, associated with racial superiority and inferiority were first given scientific legitimacy and credence with the publication of charles darwin's revolutionary book the origin of species now this is interesting a civic biology by george hunter it was, by the way, the most used biology textbook in the early part of the 1900s in America. This is what he writes about. Well, what did that book teach? <laughs> well, in the, in the section on evolution, the book had a, a section called The Races of Man. And it said, at the present time, there exists upon the earth five races or, ver five races or varieties of men each very different from the other in instinct, social customs, and to an extent in structure, ranked from inferior to superior. Now this, ladies and gentlemen, was an educational textbook founded on, so on social Darwinism and scientific racism and was taught to our children in the early part of the 1900s. Here's what it says. Ranked from inferior to superior, quote, the Ethiopian or Negro type originating in Africa, the Malay or brown race from the islands of the Pacific, the American Indian, the Mongolian or yellow race, <laughs> including the natives of China, Japan, and the Eskimos, and finally the highest type of all, the Caucasians, represented by the civilized white inhabitants of Europe and America. <laughs> Holy smokes! This was a textbook that was used in the educational system of America in the early part of the 1900s. And by the way, and I almost hate, I almost hesitate to put this on the screen, but the textbook actually had a picture. Please forgive this picture, but it just shows you where all this stuff actually comes from. Again, the book 
a civic biology written by George Hunter, a textbook used to teach our students, was founded on social Darwinism and scientific racism. Here's the picture that they have on this, on the, in the book about the different races of mankind. So this is also, sort, uh, I have the source, faceinhistory.org. Uh, the, the, the title is Holocaust and Human Behavior, Chapter 2, uh, Breeding Society's Fittest. So it shows the levels of, of race from monkeys to the white men. Again, again, the fruit of Darwinian evolution, guys. The fruit of Darwinian evolution. <laughs> Man, the wool has been pulled over our educational department, has it not? How about we just take a direct quote from Darwin's own mouth? Writing in his book, The Descent of Man, he says, quote, At some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace throughout the world the savage races. At the same time, the anthropomorphous apes, as Professor Schaffhausen has remarked, will no doubt be exterminated. The break will then be rendered wider, for it will intervene between man and a more civilized state, as we may hope, than the Caucasian and some ape as low as a, a baboon, instead of as at present between the Negro or Australian and the gorilla. End quote. My goodness. This guy is the center of biology, of biology education in America right now. The 19th century scientists produced the unimaginable human carnage of Nazism and eugenicism and superior racism of the 20th century. They call the 20th century the bloodiest century in human history. Two world wars, the Holocaust, Mao's China, the Soviet Union's Stalin and Lenin regimes that murdered hundreds of millions of people. All founded, ladies and gentlemen, on the science. Trust the science. And you would think, maybe we have learned our lesson. And maybe we are beyond all these failed philosophies. And you'd be wrong. Because according to the National Center for Science Education, the National Center for Science Education, the promotion of evolution as the only credible theory of our origins is actually increasing, not decreasing, in America's educational system. I bring you this chart. You can see on the left, 2007, uh, the blue is, or let's start with um, the avoidance, which is the light green, 18% in 2007, avoidance of either theory. Mixed messages in the dark blue, creationism in the smallest section there at the top, in the dark green, but the largest section there is evolution as settled science. That's 2007. Now look to the right in 2019. Look at how much it has grown from 50%, 51% in 2007 to 2019%, uh, to 67% to in 2019. Evolution as settled science. In other words, our current educational department is increasing the idea as evolution as settled science, not decreasing it. We're going the wrong way. From the article that I read of the National from the National Center for Science Education, revealed by a 2019 survey conducted by researchers at Penn State University and the National Center for Science Education, about two in three, 67% of public high school biology teachers are presenting evolution forthrightly, emphasizing the broad scientific consensus on evolution while not giving any credence to creationism. In other words, don't tell these kids that they're from God. 
Don't you dare tell these kids that there is a loving Heavenly Father who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for them. And if they put their faith in him, he will adopt them into their family and eternally settle their future in heaven forever. No, don't tell them that because that's dangerous. Maybe this is why Walmart is teaching its employees who make twenty-five dollars to $35,000 a year that white people making twenty-five dollars to $35,000 a year are full of privilege and are the problem with America. And by the way, if you voice concerns about the, what's, what the schools are teaching your children, you are now being targeted as domestic terrorists. I kid you not. This is from the Federalists. You might have heard about this. So parents have been fighting back about critical race theory and the educational system of our country. They've been fighting about also the sexualization of education. Uh, in moms in Virginia and Texas actually did this. They showed up at school board meetings and they showed pictures of graphic sexual content, pictures from books uh, between a student and a teacher of the same sex. And these were graphic pictures basically of pedophilia that were found in the assigned reading of their school district. So they came to the school board meetings and they showed the pictures of these books, which were disgusting, by the way. And now in response to being challenged with what they are teaching our children and how they are indoctrinating them, the National School Board Association sent a letter to the Biden administration asking that these parents be labeled as domestic terrorists. I kid you not. You can't make this stuff up. This is from their letter, quote, to the Biden administration, quote, as these acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials have increased, the classification of these heinous acts could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. <laughs> Additionally, the NSBA requests that such review examine appropriate and forcible actions against these crimes. And acts of violence under the Gun-Free School Zones Act, the Patriot Act, in regards to domestic terrorism, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, and the violent interference, blah, 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 goes on and on. In other words, parents, don't you say a word. Don't you speak up about what they're doing to your kids. You stay out. Just like God, you stay out of the education department. We'll take it from here. We, after all, trust the science. You know what I say? I say, trust the Bible. And I say, trust the Bible boldly. What's the answer to a world refusing to learn from history? Go to God's word. God's word is a collection of history, actually. People don't understand this. It's a collection of history. And it shows us the good, the bad, the ugly of what happens when men either trust God as nations or when they reject God as nations. We've talked about it in Romans chapter one. When a nation rejects God, God hands them over to the lust of their flesh. And they become utterly corrupt. They become debased. They become hateful, brutal, ruthless, loveless. Read the end of Romans chapter 1 for a reference. The United States Constitution recognizes the equality of all men, not because of Charles Darwin or Francis Galt or the science, mm -mm. but because of the philosophy of pastors and theologians who shaped the philosophies of our nation's founders. Today, history is being rewritten. Our founders are being called racist, white supremacists, and the scientists are being heralded as heroes. They've literally flipped the script completely, 180 degrees. They're twisting the truth 
just like the devil has always done, hath God really said, and he twists the truth. He calls good evil and evil good, and you pay the price. Unless you get educated, unless you get informed and get into the word, which brings me to the word. What does the word say about race? (laughs) Good news. We're all one race. That's the good news of the Bible. There's not five races. There's one. And that race has been made by God. Acts chapter 17, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from one man. One man. He made from one man. Every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted period and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. In other words, there's a God who loves you, who created you, who wants to be close to you. And he literally puts you where you are right now so that you would feel your way toward him. Or I bring it to Malachi 2 verse 10. Have we all not one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? In other words, you know what? We're all the same race. Red, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight. Man, Sunday school is so much better than the science. And of course, I take you probably to the most important texts of all concerning the human race. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them have dominion, not over each other, but over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's what we were made for. Psalm 8, verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet, David says in the psalm, yet you have made him, you have made who? Man. Just a little lower than the heavenly beings. A little lower than angels. Crown him with glory and honor. And you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, what the Bible says about the human race is so much better than what science suggests about the human race. What God says about the human race is you're made in my image. I made you to rule and reign over this wonderful creation that I gave to you. And if you trust me, the creator and the originator of all that I have made, I'm going to crown you with greatness. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. That's what the Bible says about the origins of this species. We're not a species. We're the sons and daughters of a heavenly father. And sadly, we're lost. We're lost in sin. We're shamed. We're guilty. We know it. Consequently, we take out that shame and guilt on others. We use people to serve things. We turn on each other. We stab each other in the back. We don't treat each other right. Science tries to offer an answer, and it always fails. Science is still trying to offer that answer, and it will fail. History repeats itself again and again. That's why I do the Deep End Bible Study, where we are digging deep into the book of Romans, going through the gospel verse by verse. What does the gospel have to say about the human condition, about the national condition, about the racial conditions of our society. Tune in tomorrow night for the Deep Dive Bible Study with me, your humble host, Tim Hatch. By the way, we are on Rumble, and I'm asking you for your support. 
because it costs money to be on Rumble. TimHatchLive.com slash Rumble. And we're going to continue to post our videos to Rumble as well because we'll never know when precious YouTube <laughs> will cancel us. It's happening all over the place. Hey, check out all the swag we have at TimHatchLive.com. New swag is coming. New t-shirts are coming. And make sure that you like and subscribe on YouTube.com slash TimHatchLive. The social media channels are all TimHatchLive forward slash or at. This was the deep end. TimHatchLive.com for all of the resources that we have to offer you. I'm so glad that you were here. I look forward to tomorrow night. I hope this, I hope this video was beneficial to you. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you click that notification bell so that you can get notified on all your smart devices and computers when we go live. This is The Deep End, and I will see you tomorrow night on The Deep Dive.